the best in chat radio designed just for you. This is the prologue on America's Web Radio, a weekly program bringing you introductions to writers and books you may not be familiar with. Now, my name is Doug Dahlgren. I'll be your host. I'm an author myself, and you can find my work on Amazon, Books A Million, and BarnesandNoble.com. And we call this show the prologue because that's exactly what it is. And while our introductions are mainly for writers, we love to bring you interesting people with a story to tell from other fields and endeavors as well. So if you or somebody you know has a book or that interesting story that just needs to be shared, please reach out to me through email at Doug at AmericasWebRadio.com or Doug at DougDahlgren.com because I'd just love to talk to you about being a guest on a future program. So don't forget those email addresses. Reach out to me. That's the easiest way to get in touch, and we'll talk about uh, you being on the show at a future date. And also, we love to hear comments from the listeners. So use those email addresses to tell us what you think of the show or if you don't think about the show. So either way, we'd love to hear from you. Now, this hour, we're going to go north across the border up into Ontario, Canada. We're going to hear from an author who brings us a new novel that follows her successful trilogy titled Earth's Pendulum. That's the title of the series. Now, the individual books have their own titles, and we'll talk about that in a minute. And those were about a world of her own creation. Now, born in the Netherlands but raised from a very early age in Canada, our guest holds degrees in psychology and sociology from the University of Waterloo in Waterloo, Ontario. She's an avid student of human behavior, so our guest uses that knowledge to develop characters that literally spring to life from the pages of her books. Now, just before we bring her on, as I always do, I want to take a moment to welcome two special groups of listeners that we're so very proud to have at America's Web Radio and especially here on the prologue. Our brave folks serving in the armed forces of this country, around the world, working hard to keep us safe back home so we can live in the manner that we so often take for granted. Freedom isn't free. It's bought and paid for daily by our men and women in uniform. So we want to thank each of you for what you do. And the other group I also want to mention are the first responders who are here at home in our local communities, those police, fire, EMT personnel who rush to our aid when we need their help. We want to thank them for what they do, and we also thank them for listening. Now, our guest today brings a tale of a lost people, separated from all they once knew by disobedience. Will they find their way home and back to the graces of the one who provides, or will they be lost forever? The author is Yvonne Hertzberger. The book is Labyrinth Quest, and this is your prologue. After wandering away from home in search of food, a young woman becomes lost and seeks refuge in a cave. There, only things can get worse. She's captured by a magical force that uses the woman and others to mine his source of fuel. She is soon rescued and led through a maze to find and restore the souls of the lost people of her community. Now, her journey through the confusing maze more a labyrinth of caves, becomes a mighty quest and a test of her inner strength. From her home in Stratford, Ontario, please welcome with me author Yvonne Hertzberger. 
Welcome to the prologue, Yvonne. Hi, Doug. Thanks for having me. Labyrinth Quest is not a part of that earlier series, is it? No, it's an entirely different story, different concept. Yeah, much more primitive, actually. Where, where exactly did the idea for this storyline come from? <laughs> well, I don't usually remember my dreams, but this one I did. And uh, it was a dream in, in three parts that had this girl wandering in the desert and, and then being captured in these caves and then, you know, finding another way out of those caves and, 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 a, and a positive outcome. And so I woke up and thought, you know, if I'm remembering this dream, I think I better pay attention. And so I used that to develop this book. It's, so I don't usually remember my dreams, but this one I thought I should pay attention to. This one you did. Okay. Now, the story itself, um, the wandering lost people, it can almost bring up a biblical comparison. Was there any intent to that? Not really, although, you know, when you think about almost any story, it can have, you know, historical or, or symbolic significance. So I can see where you got that comparison from, although it. it it had never really occurred to me to make that comparison. No comments from any of your other readers? No, no, that's, that's a new insight, Doug. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I may be the only one. Uh, <laughs> now, after the successful trilogy, was it mm -hmm. difficult when you sat down to write, was it difficult to change gears and work with new characters and new plot lines? Um, yes, to a point, although I, I really felt I had closed the book on, on the series. I, that story was complete, and I didn't really want to go back there. But, yeah, cause it was sort of like starting all over, and it was a, a new challenge. When, when we write, we always try to make the next book better than the last. I think most of us do that. And it was kind of scary to think about going into a whole new area, when when I'd already been, you know, fairly successful with those old characters. So, yeah, it was a bit scary. <laughs> now, the story is the book, and, of course, that's what we want the folks to buy. That's why we have you on here to tell about it. Exactly. But tease us a little bit. Tell us what you can without giving too much away about Labyrinth Quest. Well, it, it's set in a, in a very primitive society. I, I liken uh, the main character's uh, area sort of like a Kalahari Desert hunter-gatherer people. And it's a combination fantasy magic realism. It sort of fits on that line. Some people think it's more fantasy and some people agree that it's magic realism. Now magic realism means that that the the, the magic in it isn't sorcerers and spells and, and mythical creatures. It's, it's, it's embedded right into the, the fabric of the society. And in that sense, I think, you know, this, this lizard character who's basically a spirit guide or, or the one who gives, gives the main character, Maureen, her, her quest and tells her what she has to do, um, is, is part of that, that whole society. So in that sense, it can be magic realism. But it's also fantasy in that there is a little magic in it and that, that the world is, is one that I've created out of bits and pieces of imagination and things that I've learned, learned about what caving is like, learned about what the desert is like, learned about early agrarian society, which is what the other end of the cave society is like. So it was kind of fun to try and, and piece that all together. 
Well, now you brought up the lizard character, so we're going to have to go a little deeper with Glick. Okay. Yeah. Are we talking about a huge monster here or a little bitty fellow? What What exactly is this character in your story? Okay, he's about the length of the palm of, of or not the whole, about the length of my whole hand, I guess. And so he's just a little guy, but he's a very powerful guy. And and you know, there's the old idea that that little guys can sometimes get really cocky and and and, and crusty, right? Just to to throw their, their weight around a little bit and, and match up with the big guys. And so that's sort of what he does, too. He's, he's crusty, he's, he, he can be rather nasty, and because he's in control of, the, of, of her and of the situation, he can, be, he can disappear when she needs him most, and he can get nasty with her and, and, and short with her as if she's a small child, even though she's a young woman. And so he's 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 a really interesting character. People kind of like him because he he can be funny because he is so he can be sarcastic. He can be you know unhelpful when he wants to be, but helpful when he needs to be. And so yeah, he's he's fun. And he's the master of the caves. He leads you through. Yeah, he's okay. he's sort of the the instrument of the one who provides, which is is what I call um, the the god that rules the whole world, basically. And uh, he, he gets his, his his instructions from the one who provides, and he's in control of the whole cave thing, and 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 the other end too. He he gets out of the cave once in a while as well. I'd like you to go into a little more detail. You you uh, you say your genre, and the overall genre would be fantasy, but you call it magic realism. Um, yeah, I write in fiction, and I call it plausible fiction. Now, my my characters are real flesh and blood, and, and you could assume that they were in today's world, but, of course, it's all fiction that's made up, but it are things, they don't fly. They don't crawl around or anything. They're plausible. Yours are not necessarily plausible. Um, explain magic realism in a little more detail for us. Okay, with, with magic realism, the magic that happens in a society is taken for granted by the people as normal. It's, it's you know, when she meets this lizard, she's, she is surprised by it, but it becomes really quite natural for her to interact with it and, and for, for it to, or him, to have some influence on on not only her life, but the life of, of the entire society, that there's an interaction between the people and the magic, and, and that this feels normal. Um, with, with true fantasy, people, the people know that, they, that these are spells and that there are others creating these spells, and it's, it's not part of the, of the whole natural order of things. So I guess that's how I would best explain the difference between the fantasy and magic, or the magic in fantasy, rather, and the magic in magic realism. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Good. And everybody uh, has their own connotation of, of what, well, I mean, science fiction is one thing, and fantasy is really different than science fiction, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Almost the opposite, actually. And yet both, both areas are complete fabrication. But, exactly. But, yeah. but just in a different in a different way. Um, yeah. Your books and information about you. Where can folks find out more about your trilogy, which we will go into more about in just a few minutes? But about that, and also this new book, Labyrinth Quest. Where can folks find out more about you and your work? 
Well, the best place, because it can lead you to the place, other places, would be my website, which is um, newfantasyauthor.com. All one word, newfantasyauthor, all lowercase, dot com. Um, and from there, you can go see some reviews. You can see some sneak peeks of the books. Um, and it will take you to, of course, the links where, if you're interested, they can go on to, to buy the books, books both in e-format um, in various areas via Smashwords or via Kindle, um, Amazon. And if you like paper, then Amazon has the, the paper versions as well. It's a very nice website. You've got all sorts of links on there. Um, shorts about the books, where to buy the books. You've got interviews and things of that nature. Uh, it's, it's very well put together. Uh, Thank you. I had somebody help me with that that I, I think did a fabulous job by the name of Carolyn Steele. Is she also Canadian? Um, well, she makes Canada her home half the year, but she's originally English. British. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. she did a very nice job with this. And then again, of course, you're on uh, Amazon.com. Everybody can go there and look and, and get reviews and things of that nature. Folks, we're here on the prologue. We're here this morning with Yvonne Hertzberger, and we're talking about her magic realism, a new novel called Labyrinth Quest. And we're going to be back with more from Yvonne after these short messages. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren, on Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com. 
the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to the prologue. We're here this morning with Yvonne Hertzberger. She is in Stratford, Ontario, and Yvonne brings us her new novel, Labyrinth Quest. Now, for more information about that, she told us about her website, and I want to spell it out a little slower for you folks. The website is newfantasyauthor.com, and that's all together, of course, because it's a website, and all in lowercase, and .com. And that'll take you to Yvonne's nicely laid out website with all the information you could ever want about it and her books. So we invite you to go there. Did I lose you? I think I yeah, hit a button. I'm yeah. sorry. You are yeah. from you are from Canada. I am. And in Canada. And tell us about your hometown of Stratford, Ontario. I understand that uh, it's a little cold up there this morning. It is. Yeah, we're probably. I'm trying to convert to to Fahrenheit here, but we're we're well below freezing and with a cutting wind this morning. So, but they promise us it'll go above freezing in the next couple days. Now, your house there is also quite special. Um, tell the folks a little bit about the home that you live in. Yeah, the house I live in, is, is the style is called an Ontario cottage. It's very, very tiny. It's the, the main floor area is only 780 square feet and has, has only two bedrooms. But it was built in, in 1883 to um, house the people who worked for the railroad here, Stratford began as a railroad town, and they built the engines and, and all the things here. And, and so these they built a lot of these little cottages out of brick um, for the, the, the men who, who worked at, and the families whose, whose men worked at, on the railroad, on the engines and everything. So it's old, and we've tried to restore it back as much as possible to its, to its original form. We really like it here. Now, is there any inspiration for any of your work? that comes from uh, being in that house? Not from the house, but I, I must say that, that Stratford is, as a city is inspirational anyway because it's, it's the home for the, to the, the Shakespearean Festival, the International Shakespearean Festival. And so it's a very artsy city. And um, I, I've met other writers here that I, that I can share stories with and critique each other and and uh, lots of other artsy people. So it's full of inspiration in other ways. That's something you touched on that uh, that I found the most interesting and the most fun, really. Uh, I started writing after I retired. And so did the, I. <laughs> the, people, the people that you meet, the other writers, are the neatest folks. And uh, that's been probably the most fun about that and also being able to do this where I get to meet more of you people and uh, actually talk to you on the radio. But... Uh, that's something that the other writers out there who are listening to us this morning, they know and understand what I mean. It is quite a fraternity, and uh, I know I'm proud to be a part of it, and I'm sure you are as well. Absolutely, yeah. While we're talking about Canada, what, just for curiosity, morbid curiosity, what's the temperature range up there in Stratford, Ontario? Uh, um, the lowest, I think, in a, in the depths of a bad winter that we would ever go 
I'm trying to trying to put it in Fahrenheit. I'm trying to think what the equivalent is. Would be probably um, minus thirty, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> but that would be rare. That would be rare. The average winter che- temperature is probably uh, maybe fifteen to twenty on on a, on a normal winter day. And then we go up to about ninety-five on if we if we have a heat wave in the summer. So it, it, it's quite a range. My father's side of the family is from just below you up there in what they call the UP of Michigan, uh, the Upper Peninsula portion, and we tease them about having two seasons: winter and <laughs> and the Fourth of July. Is that pretty much what it is up there? Or how long are the seasons? Well, we call it winter and construction. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, yeah, um, our our last frost date generally is around the first week of September, and then, or sorry, the first frost date, and then the last frost date is generally early April. So our our spring and summer lasts through April into into September. Um, winter doesn't really set in 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 all seriousness until probably late December. Well, that's not yeah. too terrible, but it still leaves you a good bit of time for writing, uh, time to stay inside, doesn't it? <laughs> Hibernate with my computer, yes. There you go. Tell us, when and how did you first become interested in writing and storytelling? Well, you know, I've always been a real reader, and, and when when pe- people would talk about books, friends would talk about books, they'd say, you know, I could write a book. And I always thought, no, you can't, you can't. And then I thought, I don't can't, don't think I can either. But I, I was with a, a friend for a while, actually a, a counselor, when I was having some difficulties. And he wanted me to journal. And I said, you know, I've tried that. I don't like it. So he said, well, okay, just write, write anything. And I began with a with a short story that I thought was okay. It's kind of cute and another short story, and then I thought I was writing a third short story, and and it turned into, it morphed into my trilogy. I knew I wasn't finished, and I just kept writing. So, yeah, it was kind of an interesting interesting process. I, I never really thought I could do it until I did it. Those familiar with Yvonne's works, the trilogy uh, is a three-book series. <laughs> that makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> Back from Chaos, through... Kestrel's eyes. Did I pronounce his name right? Kestrel. Kestrel. Through Kestrel's eyes and the dreamt child. That's dreamt with a T at the end of it. Uh, now that that trilogy uh, is out there, and folks have been you've been very successful with it. The new book, Labyrinth Quest, ventures a little bit more into fantasy than the trilogy, though. Uh, tell yeah. us why that is. Well, I, I I think it's probably because of of that dream. I had to sort of stay true to what that that was showing me, and it took me in a little further into the whole not real situation. And if that makes you know, the not real, of course, isn't a real word, but yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I that's that's really the only the only way that I I think I can explain it. I just had to be true to the dream, and the story was there and had to be written. Staying true to the inspiration. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, you, you get many reader reviews, and there's a lot of them that are crossover readers. And by that, I mean folks who normally would not enjoy fantasy. Uh, mm. I'm sure you enjoy hearing from them, but is there anything that you can attribute to that appeal uh, 
to the normally non-fantasy reader? Yeah, the other category of, of readers that really enjoy my work are, are the, the historical fiction or the, you know, the people who like to read stories about medieval or Victorian times. And when I said that this was fantasy, they said, well, no, it's not. Going, I said, it has to be because it's not an accurate society. But they're going, but this is the stuff I love to read. This, this is like what I read. So, yeah, histor- historical fiction is, is certainly one category that that is a crossover. Um, I've had men, too, who like action stories, who really enjoy my work, and I'm, I'm still a little puzzled as to why. Because, you know, I mean, there is action in it, and there is conflict in it, obviously, but it's, I when I originally wrote, I thought this would appeal more to women, but I've, I've got men reading them, too. It's quite, it's quite a surprise, actually, to me. When you do uh, your marketing, when you go out to bookstores and signings and book clubs, uh, is it primarily females in attendance, or what is your audience? Um, I I would say probably 80% female and then 20% male. That's not bad. That's really not bad. Yeah. Is there a particular age category that you would recommend for your book? I would... There's not a lot of, of really dark, nasty stuff in it. There's the odd scene. So I think I'd, I'd, stay, I'd say 14 plus, maybe, um, just because there are a couple of scenes that, that some sensitive 12-year-olds might not react well to. But overall, I'd, I'd say anybody aged 14 and up should be able to, to enjoy it. I, I don't call it young adult, though. Is it? I do call it an adult fiction. Now, this would be for... For violence or for uh, sexual content? Um, I, they're sort of combined. <laughs> That's why I'm hesitating. Um, there's one scene in, in this latest one where where the nasty, mad guy uh, makes some some gestures and and, and some, some suggestive remarks, but it's done in in such an abusive way that I would call it in a sense, violent, too, even though she's never actually physically damaged by it. So I'd say it crosses over those two together a little bit, but in this particular book, there's only that one scene that would even come close to that. The rest of it is is um, pretty non... What would I say? Non, non-threatening to okay. anybody who would be reading it. Nobody I- would be traumatized by it, I'd say. I think from that explanation, your answer to this next one's going to be pretty good. Um, I, I write about an assassin, and sometimes there are some pretty violent things or some rough things that you have to write. And uh, when you write something like you just described, do you have to get up and kind of walk away for a couple of minutes and uh, and then go back and sit down and settle yourself down? Um, I, I did with the one that was in, in my first book, Back from Chaos, uh, but... This one really was was not as um, simply because she didn't get damaged and she didn't get um, physically hurt either. I, with this one, I didn't need to do that. No. Characters can become real to you, and uh, the things they go through, you feel like you experience them. I, I'm getting too deep, but you know what I'm talking about. I hope. Yeah. Um, we want to get back and talk a little bit more about your characters, and uh, what drives your storyline. But I want you right now to tell the folks again where they can find out more about Yvonne Hertzberger and her books. 
Okay, again, I, the best place would be my website, which is all lowercase newfantasyauthor.com. Um, and there are areas in there where you can look at reviews, where you can take a sneak peek at, at um, a chapter in each of the books, and also some some posts on, on various things that, that I write about so you can learn a little more, more about who I am as well as, as what I write about. And it'll direct you from there to other sites where my books are available. Very good. That's newfantasyauthor.com. We're talking with Yvonne Hertzberger, and we will be back on America's Web Radio after these messages. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren, on Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. This is Daryl Pullis inviting you to listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and herbs. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And my name is Doug Dahlgren. We're here on the prologue on America's Web Radio. Our guest today Yvonne Hertzberger. She brings us her book, Labyrinth Quest. We've been talking about what goes into writing that and comparisons with her earlier trilogy, uh, comparisons between the magic, uh, magic uh, realism and fantasy. Uh, Yvonne, tell us what drives your writing. Is it the plot that comes to mind, or do you get characters in your head and you have to come up with a story around those? Mostly my my work is character-driven. I mean, I love studying people and how they behave and why they do what they do and and figuring out what, you know, if, if they do this now, what what are they going to do next and why? Um, but, of course, plot always has to be the, the, the driver for that. So, you know, plot is obviously important. But, but mostly my, I love to take my main characters and, and develop them and watch them grow and change and and how the, how the things that happen to them make them who they are. Your characters are very well developed, and, and they're quite believable, even though it's in a realm of fantasy, uh, or as you say, magic realism. Are these characters based in any way on real people that you know or have come across? Not really. I, 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 don't, I suppose there are elements of, of real people in each of them, but not any one character 
was meant to, to sort of emulate or, or be anything like anybody that I know or even myself. Um, I, with Glick, for instance, the, the, the spirit lizard in, in this new one, I um, he gets crusty sometimes, as I said, and, and, you know, I think I have a bit of fun in me, too, sometimes. I get impatient when when uh, when people are are less uh, quick on on the uptake than, than I'd like them to be. So I suppose there's a little bit of me in, in that. Um, I think there's the, the struggle to grow and develop that we each go through, and I think that pretty much anybody can can put themselves in, into the into the position of Lorraine, for instance, when she's trying to to grow up. She starts off as as just on the cusp of womanhood, and by the end of the story, she's she's an adult, but she has to struggle to get there. And I think that people can identify with that. Oh yeah. Your character names, it's always interesting to find out where an author comes up with the names, but you've gone a step beyond that. Uh, folks, when you get to this to this book, uh, Moraine uh, is spelled M-apostrophe-R-A-I-N. That's unusual. You don't see that all the time. Uh, Puck uh, is a male lead in the book, and his name is spelled with a silent P apostrophe and then P-U-C-K. Where, where did you come up with these ideas? Oh, I have a weird imagination, I guess. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure because this was a, a world that I created that I didn't want anybody to associate with with anything familiar already in in this world. And so I I tried to create names that, that weren't too difficult to pronounce but that were also not familiar with any other society that we could identify with. Well, it's definitely recognizable and... Uh carries you through you you know you don't forget who that character is that's that's a positive uh the research when when you're researching for a book that's based on a fantasy world i mean what do you do do you have to make notes of what your dream was about so that you're consistent how do you research something of this nature well certainly i wrote down what i remember from the dream before i started just as as my sort of kernel outline but um, for the Desert Society, I, I relied on, on documentaries about the desert and um, especially about the Kalahari, as I mentioned earlier, um, research about hunter-gatherer societies. Um, I grew up on, in a rural, mostly rural situations, mostly farms, and so when I got to the other end of, of the, the caves, to the other society, it's a very early agrarian society where people are just starting to grow food and, and keep animals. And so I, I relied on, on my own background on gardening and, and um, what I knew about raising farm animals. And there's not a lot of that in there, but what is there, I think, with anybody who, who's familiar with raising animals would be able to identify with. Um, the caves, I, again, I've, I've um, watched documentaries and, and read about um, spelunking, which is uh, exploring caves and how easy it is to get lost in them and, and sort of relied on, on that and the darkness and the various things that you can find in caves and how different one cave can be from another um, to to create the, the various uh, atmospheres and, and locations within the cave, lab, cave labyrinth. So, and then I just tried to weave it all together. <laughs> 
Well, and that you do. You do that quite well. Uh, we talked a little bit earlier about the trilogy. The trilogy being, again, give us those three titles yourself. Okay, the first one is called Back from Chaos. The, the whole trilogy, the overall trilogy, is called Earth's Pendulum. So the first one is called Back from Chaos. The second one is, is Through Kestrel's Eyes. The Kestrel is a sort of a, a little falcon. Um, and then the third one is, is The Dreamt Child, and it, and it basically pulls everything all together. Tell us what you care to about this trilogy. Uh, this story, of, I'm assuming, takes us from point A to point whatever. But tell us what you can about these three books and, and what the point to this story is. Uh, the, I started off with the idea that, that with history, we, we often go through periods of chaos, war, upheaval, and then we resolve that, and then we go through a relatively you know, a, a peaceful period that lasts for a relatively, often a relatively short time. Then we go and do the whole cycle all over again. So that's why I use the, the title Earth's Pendulum, because I talk about, you know, the history of like a pendulum swinging through chaos to stability to chaos and back and forth again and again. So the book really starts off, the back from chaos starts in a chaotic period in, 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 with a battle, actually, and, and ends sort of on a peaceful note, uh, through Kestrel's eyes, then uh, sort of swings back again in, uh, from the peaceful area back into a more conflict time. And then the dreamt child basically resolves all that again. And so um, that's, that's the, the premise of the whole whole trilogy. Of course, I, I, tell it in, I try to tell it in a way that, that people aren't being hit in the face with that idea, but... Yeah, that's the underlying premise. Are there characters that flow throughout the trilogy? My favorite character, and pretty much everybody's favorite character, is Clast. Um, he's a good guy, but he's also an assassin and a spy, which is hard to kind of put together, and it makes him very interesting. Um, a real lonely guy who started off with, with a pretty rough early life and, and how he resolves that. And um, I've had um, one of my reviewers said that women fall in love with him and men respect him. So I, I kind of love that line. That's good. <laughs> because it sums it up really, really well. Um, yeah, I, and so he he takes us through two books. He's not in, in the third one. Um, the other character that I, I really, really like is Brianist, and she's, She's just actually born at the end of the first book and, and, and carries us through the, the, the second and third. And she is a seer, and so she has the ability to, or is given visions by the goddess Earth. Um, and and uh, not a lot of them, but uh, as I say, it's magic realism, and so we don't have a lot of that kind of thing in there. But um, she is guided by and is told what she, what she needs to do by, by the goddess. And um, she, the dreamt child is actually her child. Ah. So, uh, yeah, so it takes us basically through three generations. So we have characters to follow and it, it comes to a completion. Yeah. Do you plan to pick that story up again? I don't think so. I mean, there's always the opportunity to do a, a, a prequel to to set it up as to how they got to this world in the first place. And, and people have encouraged me to do that, but I'm not inspired at this point to do that. Okay, okay. Tell us, uh, 
you've got four books out. How long does it take you to complete a novel? I'm a slow book. <laughs> I, it, it takes me an average of two years to get each each book out. Um, I know people who put out three, four, even six books a year, and some do it very well, but that's not, not me. Well, there's no right answer to the question. It's just uh, curiosity. They say the average is about a year, and... Uh, and I guess that would probably uh, be where I fall sometimes. But uh, it depends on what else you have going on, really, and you know what other things get in the way. You are a self-published or independently published writer. Okay. What is it that you found to be the most difficult part of that process? Uh, I'm not, well, there are two things. I'm not uh, technically adept, and so the whole computer finding things and, and connecting and, and making various websites uh, works has always been a challenge for me. So I don't do my own formatting. I actually uh, send that to a professional to do. Um, but the other really most challenging, and I think most indie writers or even traditionally public writers, published writers will find it uh, that to be true is, is the promotion. Getting my name out there, getting people to actually hear about me, look at what I do, and, and take a chance on a book. And that that's, is... That, that's just so difficult when you're on your own. It is. That's what separates us from the big publishing houses, really, are those deep pockets and the ability to get out there and market in a wide stream. Exactly, uh, yeah. But that's part of what we're trying to do here with this program. So we'll, And I appreciate it. <laughs> and we allow you to come on and talk about your story, and then there'll be podcasts of this that will be available next week. And that podcast will be a link that you can put into emails and put it on your website and do whatever you want with it to tell people, this is me, this is me talking about my work, and hopefully that will help get the word out there to the other folks. Um, I hope you're right. Thank you. Well, I, I'm, you know, it helps a lot of folks. And, again, it's what I tell a lot of my writers, it's kind of like buying a new set of clothes. Uh, they look good on you, but if you take them home and hang it in the closet and leave it there, it's not going to do you any good. Exactly. You've got to put them on and walk around and wear them and tell people about it, and that's kind of the way the show can, can help you if you'll do that. Um, I want to ask you when we come back from this next break, we're getting too close to it, but I understand there's some news about a writer's union up in Canada, and we want to get into that when we come back from the next break. But working our way up to it, tell the folks again one more time about your website and how they can learn more about Yvonne Hertzberger. Okay, the website is newfantasyauthor.com, all one word, lowercase, and on it are reviews, posts, um, previews, or sneak peeks of, of each of my books, and some, you know, some opinion pieces and even a couple of short stories I've written. So newfantasyauthor.com. And that'll take you over to also the Amazon page. You've got a very nice Amazon page with all the work, so... New author or newfantasyauthor.com or Yvonne Hertzberger on Amazon, either way. Folks, we're going to take a minute for our last break today. My name's Doug Dahlgren. You're listening to the prologue, and we'll be back with more of Yvonne Hertzberger after these messages. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. 
His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren, on Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. And this is the prologue on America's Web Radio. My name is Doug Dahlgren. Our guest today has been Yvonne Hertzberger, and we've been having a great time talking about magic realism and fantasy writing. We've been talking about her newest novel, Labyrinth Quest which follows a very successful trilogy that she's had out for some time, The Earth's Pendulum. And we've been talking about being a self-published writer, independently published writer, and I understand that there is some news that you've got, Yvonne, about the Writers' Union of Canada and how that affects independent writers up there. you want to tell us about that? Yeah, thanks, Doug. The, the Writers' Union of Canada has been around for a long time, but they have been traditionally unwilling to even consider uh, self-published or independent writers until a year ago, November. And at that point, I think, uh, I don't know whether it's public pressure or what, but they they have allowed self-published authors to apply to become members of the Writers' Union of Canada, which is, which is probably the, the most pre- prestigious, shall I say, um, group of writers. There, there's, there's some cachet that comes with that. So um, I, I asked them to uh, review the, um, Back from Chaos, my first book, because that's, that's their, their rule. In order to be accepted as a member of the Writers' Union of Canada, you have to undergo a peer review. So somebody from their end has to agree that your book is, is worth having and that, that you're good enough to be a member. So I'm very happy to report that they did accept me. And uh, but but the main point of, of what I'm saying is that I, I want Canadian authors to know that this is now a possibility where it wasn't a very short time ago. So if you're interested in, in becoming a member, then certainly that's worth applying for now. Well, that's good news up there. Again, that's kind of specific because we are worldwide, uh, and that applies only to Canada. But uh, still. Folks who are independent writers are getting recognition. Uh, we we still got to work on these uh, small bookstores, the independent bookstores down here, who are having a hard time keeping doors open. But uh, and, and we can understand uh, their concern about all the self-published people who come in and want shelf space. Uh, and that's not always realistic. But at any rate, uh, self-published writers, uh, 
uh, are not just a bunch of guys with their daughter's eighth grade term paper out there anymore. There, there <laughs> That's is, still an impression a lot of people have. It is, and it's wrong. And uh, there's some very good stuff out there, and it needs to be moved along and get out into the public eye. And, of course, we together, the, the small bookstores and us, wherever you are, Canada, United States, wherever, we can help each other if, if you'll work together. So anyway, um, comments, reviews. You get a lot of reviews uh, on, on Amazon and other places, comments back to you. Do you recall some of the favorites that you've gotten on either this book or even the series? Um, well, I, I did mention the one earlier about class and, and yes. you know, women fall in love with him and, and men respect him. So, um, and overall, I mean, I've, I should say I've got a number of reviews, and, and on the series they've they've been all almost all fours and fives. I've had one three on through Kestrel's eyes because of, a, of a, an error that I've since corrected. Um, but for, for through Kestrel's eyes, let me see here if I can just pull them up for a moment. Um, well, the one comment that's there is that it's crying out for a sequel, and um, I, I don't know if that's going to happen, because I really always intended it to be a, a standalone book, but certainly there is room for me to do that. Um, people really, really generally like my characters. That's Those are the comments that I get pretty much on on, on 90% of my reviews, I think, is, is that, that people just really believe that my characters are, are people that they can identify with and, and believe in. Well, that that is true, and that's what locks people in and gets them interested. Uh, we've toyed with this before. What is on the horizon? What's coming new from Yvonne Hertzberger? Well, that's the other thing. I've, I, I, I'm going to veer off course for a while. I'm, I'm just beginning to write my memoir, and that's only because I've been encouraged for years to, to do that. My, my life has been sort of unusual in some ways, and I don't want to dwell on, on the negative, but I, my, I came from an extremely abusive family, and, I, and I've come through that actually very well. I think I've, I'm doing really well with having recovered from that. So what I, what I was hoping to do in the memoir is to use my story as, as a... a, a encouragement, I guess, or, or a positive help for people who, who might also be struggling with similar things. So, Well, that's good. That's courageous, and, and we need more people to do that, share life experiences so others, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are just too shy or, or embarrassed or whatever the word might be to, yes. to talk about it, so we encourage you to do that. Uh, your novels, are they in spite of your life's experience, or... Maybe because of it. Uh, probably a bit of both. I mean, some of some of my insights, of course, and my character development have come through what I've learned from my own struggles, and the fact that I actually wrote them is is sort of in spite of. I mean, when you're told all your life that you'll never amount to anything and never do anything well, I think you know four books kind of counteracts that. <laughs> oh yes, absolutely. So, uh, well, I, I hope that fool is around that can see that you've d accomplished this. <laughs> <laughs> He's not, which is just as well. Okay. But that's okay. I, you know, I don't need that anymore. And and I guess that's that's the point I want to make in at the end of my memoir is that yeah, you can leave that behind you. And 
So, yeah. Well, you have done that. Besides being a very talented writer, I understand that you are you still a part of the uh, the choir, the concert choir there in Stratford. I am. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. That's that's quite prestigious. Stratford Concert Choir actually has been around for over thirty years, but I've only been a member. This is my my fourth season now. We sing mostly classical work, um, and of course, classical work. A lot of it is is sacred. Um, but not all of it, and we we have four or five concerts a year. Um, a, a core group within the choir usually travels either to England or Italy, or lately they went to BC. And unfortunately, I, even though I was invited to go with them, I couldn't afford to. But that's a dream that I'm going to hold on to. So there, it's a really, really good choir, and and I and I just love being part of it. I love to sing. Super. A boilerplate question, and one you you can do with as you wish. But does that experience also play into the ideas for your characters, or for any of the storylines that you come up with, being around these other talented people? Other than that, they encourage me and inspire me, and are are, are have become friends, which in a way is is a, a recent experience for me, uh, just to have such a large group of, of friends and people that that I actually have something in common with. So in that sense, I suppose they inspire me. They're not, music has not featured in my books up until now, but maybe you've just given me an idea. Well, good, good. I want, I want credit for it, too, okay? <laughs> <laughs> now, I understand that you have a blog. Tell us about your blog. Yeah, it's, it's on my website. Um, I, I don't post on it as often as I probably should. But um, I do share things there that, that I think are of, of importance to writers and, and authors and even readers. Um, but I'm wondering, w- w- were you trying to get into the idea of Indies Unlimited, or was it just my website you're talking about? Uh, well, certainly bring that up. Okay. Um, Indies Unlimited is, is a, a group, um, actually, worldwide. We have members from all over the world. Um, of volunteers who have as their mission to assist um, authors and self-published writers. So um, I'm, I've been a member of that group for almost since its inception, uh, almost three years now. And um, it's, it's a place that's really dedicated to promoting and, and helping indie writers. And uh, it's being highly rated. Um, we keep getting news that we're now in the top 100 of this group and top 100 of that group, so which is really kind of um, confirming for us because we're also the only group that we're aware of that allows people to promote print books. There are places out there that will promote um, e-books, which, which we can do as well. Every Thursday we have a, uh, a place where, uh, a blog where we can have authors List their ebooks if they're under ninety nine cents as a special. Yeah. But on Thursday, but on Fridays we have that same issue for print books under fifteen dollars. And as far as I know, we're the only group or the only site that that has that feature. How can people uh, get in touch with you for Indies Unlimited? Um, actually, if, if all you do is Google Indies Unlimited, it, it it's all there for you. you okay. Go to yeah the homepage and the. It's really uh, it's a wonderful site and a wonderful group of people. 
there's tons of process questions that normally we like to ask, uh, especially independent writers, on how they go about it, what's their schedule like, how many pages per day, and you know things of that nature. But I think that uh, that would probably be the best for anybody out there listening. Go to Indies Unlimited, just look them up on Google, and uh, the the answers are there. And again, they're more suggestions than answers, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, we discuss all kinds of aspects of writing and promotion and, and um, where can we find promotion, places to promote our books, um, uh, Goodreads. I mean, we discuss all kinds of, of there are how-tos, there are tutorials on, on various um, things to do, and it just covers just about everything you can think about about indie, indie writing and publishing. Outstanding. Yvonne Hertzberger, you realize our hour is about up. Oh, boy. Just about. <laughs> Listen, tell us anything that uh, we haven't covered that you just need to bring up this morning before we go. Um, I think it would it would be a warning if, or, or, or a caution, if you will, that it is very dangerous for any self-published author to publish their work without having it edited by somebody who knows what they're doing other than themselves. Um, it, 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 we see over and over again people who protest. Well, I'm, I know English, I know grammar, I know whatever, but we do not see our own mistakes. It needs another set of, of skilled eyes to go through before you push that publish button. Absolutely, absolutely, very good. Do anybody that you use in particular, or do you use different folks? I have an editor right here in Stratford. Unfortunately, she's retired, so. I can't pass her on, but she's, she's been great with me. I also have a wonderful cover artist, and I don't know whether it would be okay to give her a plug or not. Well, certainly. Go ahead real quick, though. Okay. Her, her name is Rebecca Poole, Poole with an E, and her, her site is Dreams 2 Media, Dreams number 2 Media, all, all one word. Very good. And uh, she's, she's wonderful to work with and very reasonable. Very good. Yvonne, this has been a pleasure. It's always good to have you on. I want to thank you so much for being a guest on the prologue, and I hope you've had a good time. I've had a great time, and thank you so much. All right, very good. Folks, there you are. You've been introduced to another great writer. Her name is Yvonne Hertzberger, and now it's up to you to follow up and look into her books and get out there and get started reading them. I want to thank each of you again for listening, and I hope that you've enjoyed learning about this great new author. So, remember, all the programs on this show are recorded, and they're available in podcast form in the archives section of the show's webpage here at americaswebradio.com. If you've missed a show or two, you can catch up at your own pace, and we invite you to do that. Also, again, if you or anyone else is a new author or somebody looking to spread awareness of your work, contact me through Doug at DougDahlgren.com or Doug at americaswebradio.com. So that's it for this edition of the Prologue. Again, this is Doug Dahlgren for myself and for my guest this hour, Yvonne Hertzberger. I'd like to say take care of yourselves, be good to each other, read a book, one of Yvonne's or perhaps one of mine, and I'll see you all again in just 167 hours. Have a great weekend. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.